morning, church. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. Heard last week there was a really good preacher here. Who was that masked man? Robbie uh, took over last week and I did a great job, heard good things and appreciate his work and all the efforts that he puts forth for us here at Western Hills. I guess in keeping of the World Series, I'd just like to say uh, I'm not really, um, I grew up being a baseball fanatic, I guess. I was going to be a professional ball player, of course. I think most kids are, but nonetheless, um, keeping with the World Series, um, it's going on now and getting to catch a few of those games and they're real exciting, I think, but um Back in the day, Yogi Berra, there's a great catcher for the New York Yankees. He's a Hall of Famer, and he was a chatterbox. And um, so behind the plate, when the batters would come up, he would do anything to distract the batters. It was one of his challenges for the batters that came up. He would say all kinds of things. Well, one day during the World Series, on one occasion, none other than Hank Aaron, another great uh, Hall of Famer, came comes to the plate. And as he's standing there, uh, of course, uh, Yogi Berra is keeping up with his tradition of the chattering stuff. You know, your socks aren't on right. Your name's not spelled right. What are you doing up here? Your hat's cockeyed, doesn't look right. It's the wrong bat. And then he finally just simply said, you're holding the bat the wrong way, Hank. You can't even read the label on it. You've got to turn it around. Come on, Hank. You know you got to do that. You're not going to be able to hit the ball. There's no way. He just kept on and on and on. You can't even read the label on that bat. Hank never said a word, not one single word. Very next pitch, Hank did what Hank did best. <laughs> Knocks one out of the ballpark. And so as he's rounding the bases, he comes back around and he touches home and he smiles at Yogi and he looks at him and he simply said, I didn't come up here to read. <clears throat> Distractions. They come in all shapes and sizes for us. Distractions. They can come as people. A good-looking woman can go by and you get a smack in the head and you're no longer distracted. Distractions. They come. They come in our workplaces. They come in almost every aspect of our lives. Just a distraction. It gets us off focus of what it is that we need to be about and doing. Our children can get us off. They can distract us into doing things so much so that we really forget what the most important things are in our life, which is our spiritual walk with God, which is really the best thing for our children. So distractions come in all shapes and all sizes. It's something that we all deal with. For right now, did you see that? Somebody looked up there, didn't you? A distraction. Distractions come. So after Robbie's message last week, I uh, when I came back, we were in St. Louis, and we came back, and so Monday I sat in my, uh, there's a little, in our living room area, and I sat down in the chair, and I said, well, I guess I have to preach this week. What am I going to preach about, Harley? Well, what do you got in store for me, God? But I kept it getting disrupted all day. I couldn't really come up with something. And then so through the disruptions, I thought, well, I'm being distracted, so why not stop, why not talk about distractions? So I grabbed my phone real quick because when God gives me a word, I want to try to get it down. And so I simply got my phone and I, I yell into it a little bit, you know, to kind of record it because I don't want to forget because I'm forgetful because I get distracted. And and so I, I'm, I'm looking in there and I, I, I said these words, I wrote down these words. Distraction can lead to discouragement and discouragement can lead to destruction. And I said, that's it. But I also wrote down something I think is also important. 
can lead to encouragement. And encouragement can lead to victory. Our choice, isn't it? We get to choose which one. Or we become distracted in our lives. So the question is for all of us today is this. Distracted Christian life or a focused Christian life? You already know the answer to that. You know if things in your life have been distracting you for so long, and apparently it's distracted a lot of people today because a lot of people aren't here. For some reason, they've been distracted in life. Now, I know some people get sick, and I know some people take trips and on all those things, but the truth is we get distracted. The question becomes, are we, am I, living a distracted Christian life or a focused life? Is your focus where it needs to be? If it's not, here is good news for all of us. The good news is God has given you today, and I believe that God is challenging you. And if you'll listen to the message, I believe that you'll let your spirit be touched by Him. He will challenge you today to refocus, and in doing so, you can win the victory. Because someone has dropped out this past week. Let's just be honest. Somebody's dropped out of the Christian race. They just said, this is it. I'm done. I've tried that bit, I've tried that thing, and this has happened, that's happened, this has happened, and their focus becomes so much on those things of life that they are no longer feeling as though they can even be in a service such as this on a Sunday morning. Distractions. Anybody get so distracted in life, you quit quit going to church for a period of time? You're looking at one right here. Right here. You get so distracted that you forget the main thing. It happens. In Psalms 119, the scripture says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now here's what many Christians do. They move away from the light, but they can still see the light, so they think that they're okay. My friend, there is a big difference in seeing the light and walking in the light. A big difference. In John chapter 8, the scripture simply says there, and you can see it on the screen for you, it says, when Jesus spoke again to his people, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light, the light of life. The key word there is follow, follow. If you are following someone, you have to pay close attention because if you do not pay close attention, you will become off course or be distracted and get off course. You have to really pay close attention. So in the following verses, as you look here in the yellow there, in verse number 13, this is an interesting passage right here because of what I'm going to tell you in just a minute. It says, the Pharisees challenged him and they said, "Here are here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Those are some of the harshest words that the Pharisees said to Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus is standing before them. The Messiah himself, God's one and only son that he sent for all of us, that the Pharisees knew was coming, was standing before them, and they looked to him in their eyes, his eyes, and simply say, your testimony is not valid. Can you imagine saying that to the Lord? Somebody here today, that's what you're saying. You've been to church, you've heard the word. You've heard it taught time and time again that Jesus came, he lived, he died for your sins. 
He is willing to save you. He rose on the third day. He's in heaven preparing a place for all those who put their faith, hope, and trust in Him. And you've heard that story over and over again. And you're saying, this testimony is not valid for me. Wow. I love Jesus' answer. It's the same today. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from and where I am going. Talking about a lot of mouths dropping open at that point, I think. Huh? Puts them in their shoes, doesn't he? Back in their place. You see, the light can be right in front of you, but if you, if you, and you might not be able to see it, though it's right in front of you. You can't see it because it's so bright. It's right in front of you all the time because of your distractions. And that was the problem with the Pharisees. The light was standing in front of them, the Messiah himself, but they were distracted. What were they distracted by? Their religion. I'm here today to tell you that religion can get you distracted real easy. First John chapter 1, let's go with some more scripture here. If we claim to have fellowship, and notice this one because we're going, to use, we're going to close with this one as well. And someone's counting down. They're going, all right, when that scripture comes, man, I can go eat. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. Who wants all of their sin forgiven. Some of you are not sure. I mean, I'm doubly sure of that one. Hey! Right? This is how it happens. You walk in His light. So focusing on Christ, and you get a relationship, not a religion. If your focus is on Christ, you get this relationship. And that's what God wants with you. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want some religion. He doesn't want a checklist. He doesn't want you to come to church and say, I've done it. Paid my dues this week. That's what you call a club. He wants a relationship. A relationship with you. If you focus on the relationship of Jesus, you won't have to worry about your religion. Secondary. But some hold it so close it becomes their focus. Ah, they were doing. Ah, they were saying. Ah, they were looking. They become so focused on the religion, they become modern day Pharisees. Let it not happen to us. You have to be cautious in this area because religion is what you do or relationship is what you have. And God has given us the privilege to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. And we should praise God for that. You have to be cautious in this area of your walk. If not, you will move so far from the light that you no longer even see it. The story of the prodigal son that um, uh, was taught on Wednesday night, uh, Troy, uh, Troy taught the uh, message out of Luke chapter 15. But the prodigal son, as I thought about this this week, is a prime example of this very thing that I'm talking about. It's a prime example of it. So it's the story of the prodigal son is not only the prime example, but listen, he was distracted. 
He was distracted by the world's pleasures. Are you distracted by the worldly pleasures out there? See, because we pick on him because we know that he went over the hill and, and hooked up with some uh, ladies that he wasn't supposed to hook up with and did a lot of booze and a lot of drinking and all the other things that we can think of. And I've never done that, so I'm pretty good. But are you looking for the pleasures of the world? And it's gotten you distracted? What the real thing really is all about? It distracted this guy. There is no doubt about it. He was distracted. It brought him discouragement. Brought him discouragement. How did it bring him discouragement? When he ran out of his money, he ran out of friends. He was discouraged. You ever live in sin so long that when you got to the end of that sin, you were discouraged? Oh my God, what have I done? I'm miserable. Look what I've done. Look what I've done to my family. Look what I've done to myself. Look what I've done to others. Look what I've done and look what I've done and look what I've done. And you become discouraged. That's what he did. And then it led to a disaster for him. He finds himself eating hog slop. But, but, once he refocused, he repented. This is key. Once he refocused, he was encouraged. He was encouraged. He pulled himself together and said, I know what I will do. I'm encouraged by what I know. He was encouraged. And in his encouragement, he returned home and found victory. So can you. That's the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? It's the great news of the gospel. Is that yesterday's gone. Today's a new day. It's a brand new day. And today I can have victory. Even if my yesterday was horrible. Today is a new day. I can focus on what I need to be focusing on. I can forget about yesterday. And I can look to the future knowing that God is with me. That's good news, folks. He gives us a new, his, his, his glory is new every morning. Have you embraced it today? Or did you get distracted? Distractions. They can get you turned around, upside down, inside out. Anybody been distracted but me? I get distracted up here by looking at some of you. I'll tell you the truth. I'm like, is that kid, guy sleeping back here? What's the deal here? I had a friend of mine, his name was John. True story. John DeMarzu was a minister. He was a great guy. And he was just wonderful. God put him in my life just at the right time. He said he wasn't a Christian very long. And um, he said he was in a Wednesday night class and it was boring. You ever been in a Wednesday night class, a boring class? Anybody been in a boring class? Anybody been in one of my boring classes? Don't say amen. <laughs> My wife said, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Nonetheless, John was sitting back in the back seat somewhere, and he said, man, I was just, it was hot in there, and I was just drifting off, man. And he said, I knew that the guy who was teaching class always called out particular names, and he'd say, hey, Phil, would you read that? Sam, would you read that for me? Whatever. So he, the guy simply said, and John, and John stood up. And he, he said, he just stood up, and he said, what do you want me to read? What do you want me to read? Distractions. They get us turned around. They get us flip-flopped over. They do. Because we lose our focus. You lose your direction when you lose your focus. 
You lose your direction, you're in trouble. You lose ground. Worse yet, you can head in the wrong, wrong direction and not even know it. You can get turned around and not even know it. I was thinking about football too. Uh, sports analogies, I guess, today. But in football, we've seen it in on, on film. High school players all the way to the pros. Wrong way wriggles or something like that. I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, he, he, he gets the ball, there's a fumble, then they get turned around. This guy knocks that guy, this guy knocks that guy. And before you know it, the guy's heading the wrong way. And he scores a touchdown, spikes the ball. Scoring for the other team. It happens, doesn't it? How did it happen? Distraction, confusion. Then, hey, I'm going and it's okay. It doesn't only happen to football players. It happens to hunters as well. Why do I say hunters? Well, deer season started yesterday in 35 minutes. I'm out of here. Sitting in a stand, nice, cold, crisp morning. Distracted. Squirrel. Wow, look at that. Look at that squirrel. Wow, that's neat. That's a turkey over there. Man, that might be a deer behind that turkey. I'm not sure. i never seen a turkey that big. All the while, Mr. Trophy Buck is walking by. Now, keep in mind, I'm on foot up here. I'm looking towards a waspy wee wabbit. But in that process, so I get back on focus and nothing. Ah, uh, disappointed, get out of the stand, take the card out of my, uh, uh, you know, the field camera, put it in the phone. Whoa, that's a nice buck. When was that? Yesterday? No, today? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, I was in that stand. Distractions can cost you a trophy. But it doesn't only happen to football players. It doesn't only happen to hunters. <laughs> it happens to all of us. And we weren't the first ones to do it. You won't be the last one to do it. So where could I go? Let's go to the Israelites. Let's talk about them just for a few moments. They get a little confusing. In Exodus chapter 14, you know the story. They're in 400 years of captivity. They're being led out of captivity by God through Moses' hand, through this. God is working through Moses. The first thing they come to is the Red Sea. The Red Sea is too big. You can't get across, and they don't know how to build a bridge. And so they're standing there. But maybe they're thinking to themselves, if we go down far enough downstream or whatever, maybe we can get across somewhere, something can happen. But what did they do? They became distracted, and they turned around. And when they turned around, they saw the enemy, the Egyptians, and all their soldiers. And they knew that it was end. It was hopeless. Disaster. And so they began to grumble and complain as you read down through that verse there on the screen in uh, chapter 14, verses 11 through 13. Well, why did you bring us out of here, Moses, to let us die? At least in Egypt, we went out of graves, all this stuff, and then woo-hoo and ba-ba and whatever. And Moses says something that's very, very valuable. He says this, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear a preacher say, stand firm, don't be afraid. You're going to see the deliverance of the Lord in your life today. And then he told them these words. I love this. I love this. Moses was laser focused at this point in his life. 
He had to be. He had to be. He said, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And I've just got to believe that those million people that he was leading said, this guy has lost it. Get a white jacket. It's impossible. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? Over. It's the way it works. They had turned around in their mind and they thought it would be better to go back and lose the victory. And of course, we know they lost the victory. And they lost the victory that through the promised land. They lost that because they lost their focus, but because they grumbled and complained. Maybe that's next week's message, grumbling and complaining. Anybody in here ever grumble or complain? Somebody's doing this to their husband right now. But that can happen to us as well. So how do we avoid that is the question. How can we avoid the distractions? Because if I can learn how to avoid the the distractions, then maybe I can stay focused. And if I can stay focused, then there's a victory for me, and there is. So let me give you something, because in 20 minutes I'm out of here. I've, I've said this for 20 years, but somebody needs to still hear it. Maybe it's me. Changing your focus will change your actions, which can lead to victory in your life. Changing your focus can change your actions, which can change the outcome. If you don't change your focus, you will have the same action and you'll get the same result, and we know what that is called. So it's changing the focus, not on the simple things, but on the main thing of life. Here we go. First, knowing that God is on your side. Knowing that God is on your side, no matter what, will help you get through those times in those moments of life when all heck breaks loose. Because it does in our lives. Anybody have a hectic week this week? Anybody have a hectic year this year? But knowing that God is on your side, knowing that, God, I know you're on my side. I'm not looking at the scoreboard. I'm just playing the game. I'm Not a game in the sense that this is a game, but you know what I'm saying. Staying with you. I'm staying focused on what my call, the next call you have for my life. Satan and his demons will try to get you unfocused and get you focused on anything except for the truth of God's Word. They'll not only distort it, but they will get you to focus on something else. So when we come together and we sing songs such as this morning and all these Sundays, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, and all those beautiful songs that we sing, and we're singing it out, it has to be more than a song. It has to be more than just singing. It's not just 15 minutes that we spend singing. Don't get confused by it. Don't get distracted by that. It has to be something deeper than that. It has to be something so deep that if we could actually slice you open, you could see the DNA of God Himself within you. And the way that happens is we worship God. We truly worship God. Meaning that we come into an agreement with Him. Everything else is out of focus. 
There is no distractions of my family and friends and my work and my finances. There's hunting or football or eating or anything. My focus is I come into an agreement with you, God, that you are an awesome God and you are the God that has given me life today and I praise you. We're focused in our worship. He is our focal point. And when Harold leads us today in our communion time, that we realize that our focus is right. Our focus is that Jesus died for me. He gave His blood for me. He broke His body for me. And I take that in, and I soon not forget what my Savior has done for me. And because of what He's done for me, I am privileged to be called your child of God. My focus is worship. We worship you, God. We worship you. We just worship you. We worship you, God. We just worship you alone. He's our focal point. He's our refuge. He's our rock. He's our Savior. He's our strength. He's all the things in which we need. He's the thing that I need this very moment in my distractions of the world. Coming back to Him, bam, there He is. And that is exactly what I need. In 2 Samuel 22 and verses 2 through 4, the Lord is my rock, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. He's my rock. He's the one I go to. He's my deliverer. He pulls me out of. Now back in Exodus chapter 29, keeping with the Israelites just for a moment, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them because probably at the first of the year I want to do a series of messages on growth and I'll probably go to these because there's such powerful message throughout their walk and our, and their journey and our journey really, really connect. From the captivity to the promised land. I'm thinking that might be a good title. But nonetheless, in Exodus chapter 29, God reminds His people God reminds us today, and He reminded His people in Exodus 29, He says, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt. Don't you forget it. And for all of us that are Christians, that we might be going through things and the things that distract us, may we never forget that God is telling us today, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of sin and saved you. Isn't that good news? Don't forget. Harley, don't you dare forget, on that Sunday night, on June the 20th, back in 1969, you gave your life to me, you surrendered to me, you repented of your sins, you confessed your sins, and you were baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and I filled you with the Spirit, my Spirit. You are my child. Don't you forget that, Harley. How could I forget it? Distractions. Distractions. Stay centered on me, he is telling us. Remember what I've brought you out of. We have so many testimonies in this room, what God has brought you out of and what God has brought you through. So that leads me to this. Here's a good piece of advice. Repent of your defeats in life. You say, wait a minute. In my defeats, I have to repent. Why do I say that? Let me clarify. In our defeats of life, in many of our defeats in life, they're connected or something's connected to it. 
And it's a thing called sin. That's right. Sin connected to our defeats has to be dealt with. If not, you'll stay in your defeat. It's like getting stuck. It's like getting your wheels off the road into the the ditch, the bar ditch. It's not too deep, but you get into the ditch and you're stuck. But you can kind of move along, and you so you just keep moving along in that ditch. You're not going to get very far or very fast, very far, right? And God is saying, you "Got to get back on the right road." So if that's the case, then repent. And get back on the right road. And move on. I want to also tell you this. It is important and valuable, extremely valuable, for you to visit your past victories, but not live in them. It is important to visit them, but not live in them. Why? Well, I say it this way. I say celebrate the victories, not the defeats. But learn from the defeats. It is important to evaluate the defeat. Coaches, all good coaches do. We watch the film. This is, we, we looked terrible. We lost. Let's just go home. Well, the good coach looks at the film and says, this is how we lost. This is what we weren't doing. And it could be you're just out coached. It could be that they're just players were just so much more, you know, much, much better than your team, bigger, faster, stronger, all those things. But that you still look at the defeat and you figure that out. When you figure that out, then you can move on. So it's important for us to do it in our spiritual lives as well. What was the cause of the defeat? Well, how did it happen? Where did it work? What can I learn from that so I don't get defeated in that same area again? I may get beat in another area, but not this time, not in that coverage. I'm getting that kid. I'm doing what I need to be doing. So celebrate victories, not defeats. But learn from your defeats, but celebrate your victories, but move on after your victories or celebrations. Why? Why do I say that? It is because with God, more are on the agenda. With God, victory after victory after victory after victory is waiting for His people. The the promised land wasn't Lawton, Oklahoma. The promised land was given to God's people wherever they put their foot. Wherever they stepped, it's all yours. The world is ours. It's a lot bigger than a lot in Oklahoma. And the reason why they did not receive it is because they stopped walking. Read it for yourself. We'll get to that in a couple months. All right. Wow. All right. David said in Psalms 129, uh, 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Keeping and knowing that God is in the center of your life will help you overcome the distractions of your life. So throughout your day, you have to refocus. That's the beauty of prayer. You come back to prayer. You come back to a thought. You come back to a scripture. You come back to something that the preacher said or the uh, the Bible school teacher said or your mom taught you when you were little or whatever the case is. But you're coming back. You're, you're, You're revisiting that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
so you're knowing it keeps you focused. Let me share something about a thing called momentum. Watching a ball game, uh, uh, I think last night, night before, whatever, and seeing the, the baseball game and seeing the momentum. Momentum is something, isn't it? Is really something. Well, in Scripture, in First John, it says that uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God. But during a football game or basketball game, tennis match or tiddlywinks or badminton, it doesn't matter. There's some, some of you to see it. Announcers, and if you're watching football today, listen closely because someone is probably going to say these words, the momentum's changing. You can almost feel it. You can certainly begin to see it. And you can see that people are becoming anxious or excited, either or, depending on what side you're on. You're almost feeling in the air. And if you're, if you're fortunate enough to be at a game and be in the presence of it, one person, now watch this, one person can make one play and you all of a sudden start seeing this momentum just change. Are you with me? All right. Here's my point. I want to challenge you today to let God, let God do that one thing in your life. That one thing in your life that, that, and then watch the momentum change in your life. Let God perform that one thing in your life. Get your focus on Him. Watch Him do some marvelous things and watch that momentum in your life change. There is a lot of things in life that will get you distracted. Let God do what He wants to do in you. And then watch that momentum change. As Christians, we should always look up because God is an awesome God. One more note on that and I'm done. Yep, six minutes, I'm gone. Those of us that have been part of a momentum change in our lives, you know exactly who you are. You have felt it, you have seen it, and maybe you've even experienced it watching other people and you've seen this in other people's lives. You've seen that momentum change, the doctor's reports, and then you've seen it just... You've seen one that was lost and gave their life Lord. Momentum changed. And many of us in this room can testify to that. Those of us that have testified to that, or can testify to that, I should say, we should be the loudest cheerleaders for those that are being distracted by the world around them, saying, hey, it's over here. That's how these pews get filled back up. Don't be distracted by that stuff. I know you're going through some things. I know it's hard on you. But don't get distracted. God is an awesome God. He's a good God. He loves you. We love you. Don't be distracted by that. Don't be fooled by Satan. Come on. Get back. Be here with us. We love you. That's what we ought to be about. So if, the preacher says, if you have discovered that you have become distracted by things in life and you're willing to admit it, I say good. Good. Why? Because that's the first step in the right direction. Admitting that you have been distracted, distracted in your giving, your attendance, your Bible reading, your meditation, the study, 
Focus on God. Are you willing to admit that? That you've been just a little distracted. Doesn't have to be a lot. It can be just a little. My encouragement would be this, then turn around. Turn around and discover something. Discover that the light that was once guiding you in the right direction is still there shining bright as ever. Now don't say, I see the light. Get to the light. Follow the light. Walk in the light. And get what God promises you by doing so. That scripture, once again, if we claim to have fellowship with Him, you claim that? And yet you walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But, this is a good one. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all our sin. Oh my. Don't be distracted now. We're about to sing a song. Don't be distracted. If the Spirit of God is touching your heart, you move on it right now. Don't you wait. Don't you hesitate. If you need a prayer, get up here. We'll pray with you for you. We're not going to judge you. We're here to love you. If you've never accepted Jesus, Get to Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only way. Don't be distracted by the world. Don't be distracted by what people might be telling you. Oh, this way is okay and that way is just as good. No, there is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through